Mark A. Altman, Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became... Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. This is Mark A. Altman. We're back on Deck 78. We're sitting around uh, looking out at the infinite void that is space um, and getting ready to have a very serious scholarly discussion, as we often do on Deck 78. Uh, and Can now, you pass me the bourbon there, please? Yeah, here you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of my introduction here. Sorry. So, uh, as we often do, and, and uh, uh, Deck 78 is now uh, not only a subscriber-only podcast for our Inglorious Trexpress listeners, but if you're an Apple podcast listener on the 430 Movie, you can subscribe now to Deck 78 as well. And for all our new 430 Movie fans who have subscribed, welcome aboard. Uh, this is a chance for us to muse on a variety of subjects. And all your favorites are sitting here around the table. There's, I was going to say Mr. Monday, but, you know, there's no Monday in space. It's, uh, Steve Melching, Stephen Melching. I like my Romulan ales shaken, not stirred. And uh, Ashley Edward Miller. Yo, I'd be drinking a martini right now, but uh, I'm all out of shakers. And there at the, the head of the table, uh, making weird finger... Uh, things to Guinan is uh, Darren Doctorman. <laughs> Weird finger things. <laughs> remember in that, that episode? Doesn't sound right at all. Q it Who? sounds wrong. Like yes, they're, they're, I remember Q Who and, and the weird they do finger this things, weird thing with their fingers. I I really don't know what that has to do with James what Bond. What was that but, uh, all about? That's great. We'll never know. We'll never know. Thank goodness. Well, we'll that's never an upcoming know. episode of uh, Deck Seventy Eight. Where Get we me, work. John Delancey. Some weird finger <laughs> thing. So, who's Siri is asking questions? Not mine. I think it might Don't be Alexa. Don't say your name. She's like Candyman, except you just got to say it once. <laughs> your mirror and kills you. It's like Two XL, the future. Two <laughs> XL. No making fun of Two XL. Two XL was our robot overlord. He, Who is he the world's went. fastest pitcher? <laughs> Nolan Ryan <laughs> is the original. You AI. are correct. <laughs> the uh, I'm incorrect. <laughs> if A and I, if AI only knew as much as two XL and had it, uh, its Borscht Belt humor, then I would be happy to. 
bow down before our <laughs> robot overlords. Um, so today, today, because it's the 40th anniversary of uh, the Battle of the Bonds, 1983. This was this was a big big deal back in 83. Um, not only did you have Octopussy coming out with Roger Moore, but Sean Connery, who swore he would never return to the tuxedo-clad role of James Bond 007, once again returned to play James Bond in a competing Bond movie called Never Say Never Again. And uh, unfortunately, and, it, it, it... And they never did. They didn't. They didn't compete Not because... Again. <laughs> it got it got pushed into the fall because of all the delays in making it. But they were on a a collision course to uh, <laughs> compete during the uh, during the summer. It was kind of a deep impact, uh, a volcano. Was it volcano? <laughs> Not deep. What was deep impact? And oh, and, and, well, Arm and Armageddon. Armageddon. Deep impact and Armageddon. It was Dante's Peak and volcano. Right. <laughs> and this was, but this was the original. This was the original Barbenheimer. <laughs> Not really, but uh, this was uh, Octopussy and Bond Never Say Never Again. Never Say Never Again, of course, is the, the name of the movie that uh, Sean's wife came up with when mm. uh, she said uh, they couldn't come up with a title. Because remember, it gone through so many different iterations, this thing. Um, Steve, tell us a little bit about how <laughs> Sean Connery came back to play 007 when he swore that he would never return. Oh gosh, I, you know I don't know if I have a good answer for that. You're the one that wrote the book about it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Fortunately, I can jump in here, Steve. Thank you. So you're not. Um, it was really interesting because, of course, um, uh, after Diamonds Are Forever, where they had lured Sean back with a ton of money after the financial middling performance of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, after Diamonds, you know, Sean said he was absolutely a hundred percent done. As we know, 50 years ago, Roger Moore played James Bond in Live and Let Die and, and uh, became a very successful James Bond in his own right. Uh, but all along, this whole time, in the shadows, lurking, was uh, Kevin McClory. Kevin McClory was a guy who had optioned from Ian Fleming uh, uh, the James Bond rights. He had developed uh, the Thunder, what became the Thunderball novel with him as a film treatment. And as a result of uh, very acrimonious litigation, got the rights to do Thunderball, even after Broccoli and Saltzman had done the rights to all the other movies, right? Yeah. And so he made a deal with them uh, because they realized they couldn't have a competing movie uh, to do Thunderball with Kevin McClory as a producer. They became executive producers. And part of the deal, this is the crazy thing, was in 10 years, 10 years hence, the rights to Thunderbolt would, would would revert to Kevin. That shows you what future they thought <laughs> Bond was going to have, right? Yeah. If they're making a deal with rights would revert in 10 years, they didn't think they'd still be making Bond movies in 10 years. Yep. There'd be no value to it, right? Could you imagine that now? George Lucas sold the rights. <laughs> um and and yeah, didn't Howard some of the uh, the the characters that were created for Thunderball or first appeared in Thunderball went with those rights so that they could not use some of those key characters? Well, like, it was it was really a mess because yes, yeah, Spectre uh, was you know first uh, we first heard about in in Thunderball, so he claimed that he had the rights to Spectre McClory. So and and when this all was coming heating up, uh, uh, Spectre was a big part of Spy Love Me. 
and they rewrote it to make it Carl Stromberg. It was no longer Blofeld. There was, there was no mention of Spectre. They Specterized it. They, they <laughs> Spectre removed it. Um, and so you didn't see Spectre even in Free Eyes Only. It's this bald guy, but we never, there's never identified who exactly he is. It isn't until after McClory, uh, you know, the famous settlement, which got uh, Sony to turn the rights back uh, uh, to uh, MGM as part of their Spider Man settlement, where um, Eon, uh, the, 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 the uh, um, Broccoli Estate, you know, and um, uh, MGM, United Artists, got the rights back to, um, Spectre and Casino Royale and uh, all, all, and Thunderball and never and they in the process got the rights to Never Say Never Again, which uh, they then started to put on home video, but never as part of the official movies. But anyway, in '83, you know we had been watching these movies on 430 uh, 4:30 movie on the ABC yeah. Sunday Night Movie, right? right? Wasn't this how you knew James Bond? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, every, uh, you know, every what? Every eighth Sunday, they would have a uh, Bond film. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, it, it was a, uh, a an absolute event every totally. time uh, one would show up uh, in a premiere. That was boys' night. That was dad and the two boys. And we'd just sit and we'd just watch Bond movies. <laughs> and man, I and- love that crazy sheriff from Louisiana. <laughs> Because he always sure. runs while others walk. J.W. Pepper. <laughs> You're the secret agent guy. J.W. Pepper, we'd love to uh, vacation in Thailand. Oh, my God. wonder what him and his wife were doing in Thailand. That I think sheriff. we know. If you want to follow that movie, like, as a side quill. <laughs> I mean, you know, now it would be the James Bond cinematic universe, and there'd be a whole J.W. Pepper movie. Oh, my you goodness. Know, or at Peppa. least a Netflix series spinoff. Well, there still can be. That's the magic of it. Yeah, on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm going to go pitch that right back. Yeah. <laughs> Salt <laughs> and Peppa. They're an incredible <laughs> team. He's a redneck sheriff. And she's a beautiful cop from Atlanta. African-American cop. From- Angelina and they Jolie. Work together without <laughs> killing each other first. Wow. Wasn't it Angelina Jolie who played it's, Salt? It's, it's in the heat of the night. But it, it's re- in reverse. <laughs> There's more heat than night. <laughs> yeah, but yes, he played salt. Uh, Angelina Jolie played salt. So yeah, salt and J.W. Peppa. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and every every episode starts with him shopping for a used car. And he, he drives around in his a, a, a what a, a AMC Pacer. Well, that's that's who uh, that's who Sir Patrick Stewart uh, uh, introduced on uh, Saturday Night Live. Right, salt, salt and pepper. pepper. No, no, it's, it's pepper. ladies and gentlemen, salt and pepper. pepper. <laughs> oh, that's that was the best. But um, but what was was crazy? So, you, you, Darren, at this point, you know, in '83. Um, were you a big? Would you say you were a big Bond fan? Like, what were your favorite Bond? Movies? Not yet. I I loved uh, Goldfinger and uh, and From Russia with Love, and uh, I'd seen Doctor No, I think once by that time, um, but I I never went to see any of the Bond movies in theaters until uh, I was in college. Mm. So uh, it, uh, it 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 happened much later for me that I began to appreciate well, it other than you at the level that it was supposed you saw, to be. You only lived twice in a theater. Three times. Well, no, I, I heard it. 
I heard it because my mom's water broke when the end credits were on. But uh, yeah, so look, I, I had a a, a long uh, standing and uh, sitting and lying down uh, relationship with uh, James Bond, and uh, I, I enjoyed them. But uh, of course, you know, seeing it on a black and white TV at that point uh, was uh, was not its uh, full potential. See, your mom really screwed up because Thunderball would have been the movie to see when her water broke. That was the water movie. <laughs> yeah, well, the then, Thunderball then was would, the lava movie. Then I would be, uh, you know, uh, much older. Much. <laughs> Steve, what about you? I got to tell you, 1983 was probably about the peak of my Bond fandom. I had uh, uh, I had discovered the Bond films on the Sunday night movie and had watched them when they came on. And uh, in the, the few years before, leading up to 83, I had read all the Ian Fleming novels. I had I was talking to Ashley about this not long ago. I was buying the editions that had those solid color covers with the silhouettes yep. on them. I remember those paperbacks. And uh, I was also reading the, uh, the, the sequel novels written by uh, John Gardner uh, at the time. And uh, No deals, Mr. Bond. Yes, License revoked. Icebreaker. Yep. Turned to Casino Royale. Uh, so Octopussy was actually the first Bond film I saw in a theater. And uh, it made quite an impression. You know, I, I was, I guess, 15 years old when it came out. And uh, and Never Say Never Again, I also saw in the theater. So those were my, my first two Bonds in the theater. So it was, you know, literally and figuratively a big deal to see them mm. on the big screen. I was very excited to see both of them. And that kind of maybe colors my affection for them. I probably like Octopussy a little more than most people. And what about you, Ash? I mean, you, 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 were, you were a big fan of Bond at this point, my weren't you? God, yeah. I mean, look, because it was my dad was a big fan um, and he was a big fan of the books. And my older brother had six years on me, like he was a big fan. So that was something they shared. And of course, when you're the little guy and like they're really into it, you want to be into it, right? So um, I was just, I was, it was some of my my favorite memories, actually. It's like as, as, as much as I think like, you know, it's Star Trek at the top followed by Batman. It's like James Bond is just so close up in there for just a, a whole host of reasons. And, um, you know, I uh, I, I loved it. I, I started on the the Roger Moore films, so it took me a while to get into the Sean Connery films. Because look, when you're six years old, you're seven years old, you don't understand. You know, it's like the, the um, why is there a different actor? It doesn't matter to me at that age that Sean Connery came first. I just go, oh, that's different, right? Because my experience with it is, oh, I'm watching Live and Let Die with my dad and my brother, and I really love it, and I'm having a great time. Who's the Scott? <laughs> so uh, I had a little bit of a topsy-turvy um, relationship development with James Bond, but once I truly discovered those Sean Connery films, I'm like, oh, shit. Or, and also, you know, I remember the moment getting past George Lazenby and realizing that Honor Majesty's Secret Service is brilliant. So yeah. I, you know, I've always loved Bond. And I've got a collection. It's a, it's small now, but I'm gradually building on it of original editions uh, mm. of, of, of Bond novels. So I, just, I love it. Yeah, I'm amazed because, I mean, I the first Bond movie I saw in a theater was The Man with the Golden Gun. And I've seen every movie a James Bond movie since. I mean, it's, a, it's I was, amazing you developed a fandom from that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always said that. I've always said it's amazing <laughs> to me that my parents took me to see Man with the Golden Gun and I became a super fan. You know, because <laughs> the movie's so bad 
But then, you know, I would watch on the 430 movie and and, and was a huge Bond fan. Wednesday pick. Um, <laughs> um, it, it's not even a Wednesday pick. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, but but, uh, but um, it's interesting because the evolution of this Never Say Never Again is, is not unlike uh, the long, torturous ordeal of Star Trek The Motion Picture because not only did you have them trying to develop this in the 60s, but in already by the mid-70s, Sean Connery has come on board, and Len Dayton, who wrote The Ipcris File, is developing a script with McClory for Warhead. And yep. it is it is insane. It basically takes place, of course, in the Bermuda Triangle, where Blofeld has an underwater base, which he calls Arcos, and he is going to unleash uh, sharks with nuclear weapons mounted on them uh, to uh, destroy New York City and the Statue of Liberty. And well, that makes sense. Amazing- What's amazing is is like this the plot to an Austin Powers yeah. movie or is this the <laughs> plot to a James Bond amazing. movie? Yeah. And what's funny is that Connery, like he's like, you know, all these years he felt taken advantage of by Eon and the scripts and how dumb they'd gotten and everything. And it's like, but this is what you want to hitch your wagon to? I mean, it's crazy. And ultimately the reason this never happens is because uh, everyone starts to get cold feet because obviously – uh, the broccolis are very litigious, and they have to stick Hugh so closely to Thunderball that more and more it becomes uh, more than the, the notes are coming from the lawyers more than anybody else, and it has to become more and more like Thunderball in order for them to be able to make the movie. And was it the lawyer's idea to have him like use P as a weapon? Well, no. It's funny <laughs> you say that. It was actually something when Dick Clement, uh, who's one of the writers was brought on to rewrite Lorenzo Semple Jr. He actually recycled that gag from a British sitcom that he had written. And he had used that before. It's kind of like the 1941 story with the hangar and Raiders. But um, yeah, they had used it and, and used it again. And obviously that gets a really big laugh in, you know, when he says, do you want me to fill it up from here? Um, And then they have to fight with the James Bond's urine. Um, But, uh, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, Lorenzo Semple Jr. is so weird because, I mean, obviously Flash Gordon we all love. Uh, King Kong, 76, not so much. We love the original Batman. But then he did great things like uh, Three Days of the Condor, Right. right? But then Never Say Never Again is so goofy. Yeah. And that's you don't want that. I mean, for for better or for worse... The Roger Moore Bond movies were kind of goofy. So, like, if you're if you got Connery back, don't you want to see it be espionagey and spy and 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 grounded? Yeah, Octopussy is is pretty goofy, but it kind of works with Roger Moore because we're accustomed to a, a level. Because Roger Moore is goofiness. a little goofy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But with Sean Connery, that would never work, right? Especially like, with the way he says "pussy." Octopussy. <laughs> <laughs> And Never Say Never Again is already at a disadvantage because they don't have the John Barry music. Yeah. They don't have the Monty yeah. Norman John Barry theme. They don't have a lot of the, you know, the 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 the, the opening credit sequence, you know, the Maurice Binder. So a lot of the signature elements of the Bond movies they don't have. What they they only have is Sean Connery, and you know, and it's an older. In a way, it's kind of the Captain Kirk arc in '82. He's older, and does he still have it? And you know he he's he he's lost a step and he's still trying to keep up with the youngums. Is he forty in that movie? 
Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's actually younger than uh, than Roger Moore by three years <laughs> in, in Never really Say Never funny. Again. That's it, which is which is which is absolutely nuts, but it doesn't stop him from seducing everyone in sight, including Barbara Carrera, <laughs> who plays um Fatima Fatima Blush, which right. is basically the same character that uh, Luciana Paluzzi plays in Thunderball, but um She's really one of the highlights of the movie, isn't she, Barbara Carrera? Well, of course. I mean, uh, you know, as, as long as uh, James Bond is not a radio show, uh, the highlight will be the <laughs> Bond girls. Mm-hmm. You made me all wet, but my martini's still dry. Oh, still dear. Dry. <laughs> um, but I, I remember, you know, so wh- where did you first hear about this? You remember, Steve? Uh, There's going to be not just one Bond movie coming out. they are going to be two. Now there are two of them. It was probably in something like Starlog, which I had a subscription to. Um, And so the the excitement was building. Although I I remember when I heard the next movie was called Octopussy, I was, you know, 1983 was a very different time. And I was not comfortable saying that title out loud. (laughs) I felt very embarrassed. I didn't want to say, hey, mom, uh, can, can you take me to see the new James Bond movie? Octopussy? Octomore. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, Octopussy. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was totally excited. And uh, yeah, I remember seeing it on a big screen and, and it was just blown away. You know, I remember as, reading all those articles. They're running out of Ian Fleming titles. What right. are they going to do? Right. They only have, what was it, Octopussy and then a couple of the stories like Property of a Lady and Quantum of Solace. Right. And they, they were all saying, they're never going to do any of these. They're going to be original titles. They're never going to use them. And then they announced the next movie, Octopussy. You know, <laughs> and it was like, okay, <laughs> okay. And um, and 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 so Octopussy goes into production. It's interesting because uh, even at that point, people were saying, "Oh, is Roger Moore too old for this role?" And the one thing that Cubby Broccoli decided, you know, because he he. Basically, um, Roger had had a three-film contract, and now he was negotiating on a film-by-film deal. So he mm-hmm. had him over a barrel because it was kind of like, are we going to st- introduce a new bond against Sean Connery? We have to have Roger. Mm-hmm. So they were in a really difficult negotiating position. They had to basically pay Roger wh- whatever he wanted, and they they get him back. But I, you know, I think the competition was good for them because. Um, uh, in a way, because uh, I know a lot of people love A Fear Eyes Only, but I feel like Octopus is a less lazy movie in many ways. It has more interesting set pieces. It has that wonderful opening teaser with the Acro Star Jet. Oh, so you're I love a, Tor- that. a Toro too, you know. Um, that, and the whole that, cool that whole thing. sequence is really fun, where they use Roger Moore's stunt double as the you know played the general that he's impersonating. Uh, that was <laughs> that was really clever. And yeah, that little jet that was that thing was really cool. I mean, it was such a great Bond gadget, and it was just it was a fun sequence. And uh, and then the whole the, the whole button when he rolls up to the gas station, it's just a really fun sequence. Now, Darren, you may not know this, so I have a question for you. Yes. Now, uh, uh, eventually, Maud Adams plays Octopussy, but some of the other actresses who were in the running included Barbara Carrera, who ended uh-huh. up passing to go to Never Say Never mm. Again. Um, and someone else that you may know from Megaforce, 
Nighthawks and Ada versus, versus yep. Kambada. Really? Versus Kambada was up for that role that Maud Adams played. She was up for the role of Octopussy. <laughs> <laughs> Not Bond unit. So um <laughs> You can talk to my unit. For a second there, I thought you were going to say Sarah Douglas. Creator, I don't even know her. No, no, not Sarah, not Sarah Douglas. No, but uh, I think she would have been doing Conan the Destroyer already, maybe, which came out in '84. You um, bet it, Destroyer. <laughs> oh no, she she might have been shooting V the Final Battle that year. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but um, but uh, look, I Falcon think the, the 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 bear in the room. No, it's not an elephant. Uh, is that neither of these movies are really good. That's the sad part. Is that they're both at sort of the, the middling, they're both middling Bond movies. And the fact that they're, you know, ostensibly going against each other, they're pretty evenly matched, to be honest. <laughs> and it's uh, it's really funny because, uh, you know, I, I can't think of a of a less memorable uh, Roger Moore movie than Octopussy, uh, and uh, and it's it's better not to remember uh, Never Say Never Again because it's 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 klutzy, and it's very sad to watch, in Isn't my opinion. That you that you can't think of one that's less memorable imply that it's possible that there's one that's less memorable. It's of course just there is. Of course just, there is. But I'm just, I'm just unpacking the statement. But I, I, I think you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I yeah, actually, Ashley, do you have a feeling? I mean, do you? What do you think won the Battle of the Bonds for you? I think Octopussy did, and I think it's because of something that that you kind of laid out, Mark, which is that you know Octopussy, for all of its aggressively mid uh, features, still had the little things that we associate with the Bond film that make a Bond film. It had the Bond theme. It had the opening teaser. It had like the. It was like this spiral gun. It had like all the things that make it what Bond feels like. Um, I also don't know that Never Say Never Again was particularly, uh, I mean, look, it, it's not like the Bond movies of that era were being directed by auteurs, right? But I feel like the, that Octopussy was just more solidly directed, like they just had a better handle on the material. And I will also say that the fact that you know, what is it, 40 years later, I can still remember, never say never again, <laughs> never, never say, and it still makes me effing crazy, and I hate it. That was literally the only thing, I, I hadn't seen Never Say Never Again until earlier this year, since it was out in theaters, but that freaking song was the only thing I could really remember. That and the pen, the little uh, Union Jack right. pen. And I wonder, through Brandawa's eye. You know, I wonder and, if anyone in the fan community, has made a fan edit of Never Say Never Again, including the James Bond theme. No, there is. A, it's called the Never Say McClory Again cut. And it has <laughs> really? This, yeah, it uses the Propellerhead song, which we wanted to use in Free Enterprise. Mm, right. The Shirley Bassey Propellerhead song. And right. then it's the John Barry score. And it uses, and yeah, and, and, and uh, I've never seen it. Apparently it's quite good. Wow. How, I, how can you, with your uh, with your credits and uh, and background, not have seen it. I don't it's know. Just, I just uh, haven't. I haven't seen it. I have, <laughs> well, I've never really seen it. I'd like to see it. I've never seen it. We need to have a film festival with the Spice Must Flow and... Um, yes. right. And Spice this. Diver Cut. 
Yeah. You know, to, to build on what Ashley was saying, though, I think uh, Octopussy has a certain confidence to it. It just feels it's 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 just got a it's got the Bond vibe in in everything that that means. It's the the way it looks, the way it's shot. It's got a it kind of an epic sweep to it. It's got the the sort of casual, you know, confidence of a Bond film. And and it's funny because you know, Never Say Never Again costs like ten million dollars more to make. Right. And you look at it on paper, and it seems like it should win because it's got Sean Connery and Irvin Kershner directed it, and. You know, Max von Sydow is in it, and you know, uh, Douglas Slocum was the DP, and yeah. you know, had had a gr- great pedigree to it, but it just didn't work. That Michelle Legrand score was such a misfire. Uh, it was just such a it had no personality to it. It was it was so bland, you know, versus you know the John Barry score from Octopussy, and and Octopussy had some. I, I would call it mid-level uh, uh, Sean, I mean, uh, Roger Moore Bond. I, I have a f- affection for it because it was the first one I saw in the theater. But for my money, it has still has one of the best uh, action sequences in any Bond film. And that's the fight uh, on top of the airplane at the end. Mm. I, that sequence is so brilliantly done with stuntmen climbing around on an airplane in flight fighting. It's just I think it's just terrific. And uh, it's funny, I, I watched the movie with the John Glenn audio commentary, which is actually pretty interesting. And he, he tells a story about the end of that sequence where they had bought a, a kind of a duplicate of that airplane and brought it to the desert, to this mesa where that was a, an old rocket testing base that had this railroad bed on top of this thousand foot tall mesa. And they put the plane on this sled and catapulted it off this mesa so they and set up six cameras so they could shoot an actual plane crashing for for mm. the finale and had a dummy behind the wheel and one of the propellers you know was actually you know one of the engines actually worked and you know of course in in the sequence bond rips out the cables and and deactivates one of the two engines so the plane flies off the edge of the mesa the cameras are rolling the plane starts diving down towards the valley floor to crash and then suddenly levels out proceeds to somehow barely miss all these obstacles and flies off into the distance. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I didn't even get the shot of the plane crashing. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. They went to all this trouble and the plane just flies off. <laughs> That's crazy. That's hysterical. Well, I, I just think, you know, obviously uh, George McDonald Frazier who you know did the original draft of it because his Flashman books were set in India. Um, there's a much more interesting plot. You know, Thunderball is the old nuclear blackmail plot, right? right. We've seen a million times. It's not. It's the Thunderball plot, so it's not going to be take the world by storm. Octopus is really interesting in that they want to detonate, you know, a nuclear we- uh, weapon. The Russians uh, or this rogue Russian general on a uh, American military base in Germany to sort of force disarmament because after that uh you know NATO countries are not going to want to have anything to do with nuclear armaments and you know he's this crazed Russian general who then wants to invade um uh, uh, at the time it was you know west it would be west germany and and the you know past the eastern bloc into into the west and it's um and it's Stephen Burkoff, you know, the unhinged yeah. Stephen yeah. Burkoff, who, who's who's terrific. And a lot of people, they criticize, they make fun of, um, you know, James Bond dresses as a clown. They can't get past that. But that, if you look at that sequence, it's a really dramatic, 
uh, suspenseful, Hitchcockian. It's one of the, I think, the best sequences mm-hmm. John Glenn ever directed, mm-hmm. where uh, 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 Roger Moore is desperate to stop the bomb from exploding. And of course, he's a rogue at that point, so everyone is is looking for him. And you know, he basically turns to Octopussy and says, "You gotta tell them that I'm a secret agent, that I work with the British. There's a nuclear bomb." And then she, who you know, is going to have her whole smuggling operation revealed, has to decide: is she going to trust him, or is this? A, I, and then, and 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 you know, and the bomb is counting down. And Bond's done a lot of these countdowns, but it's a really great little sequence. And uh, that's why I've never had a problem with, uh, you know, Bond dressing as a clown. It takes place at a circus, which is kind of an interesting uh, place for it, you know, which is different than, say, you know, Never Say Never Again. They were running out of money. It has no ending. It has this terrible ending um, with the nuclear bomb, uh, uh, you know, know, and and, uh, it's just so many sequences that don't work. And where it comes to life is where, you know, Sean Connery's being smart or being, uh, you know, dry or, but, but there's not like that many set pieces where you say, Oh, remember that in never say never again, like any bond movie, there are two or three or four great set pieces. The way people talk about the mission impossible movies now, but never say never again, you know, other than, you know, Oh, remember where she wants to have him, right. You were the best lover I ever had, but the pen is the gadget. It's like people don't like. There's nothing about that movie that people remember being great or smart or because, unfortunately, the premise and the uh, and the uh, incidences in the movie are just about as tired as Sean Connery is himself. (laughs) Yeah, Octopussy. I mean, Octopussy had that assassin that had that great bladed yo-yo thing that was very (laughs) unique and memorable. Uh, They had VJ Armitage, the captain of Star Trek IV. Oh my god! Building a solar solar cell. There was a great car chase or tuk tuk chase. There was the you know uh, that whole sequence on the train, the Russian train, uh, or you know with the circus train going into Russia, where Bond gets in the car and it's driving along the train tracks and has to jump onto the train. Yeah, where Indy uses the whip for the first time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and double o six and double o or double o eight is being chased by the two brothers, the knives. Yeah, with with that's a great sequence, and then he falls into the. The, the 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 river with the holding the um uh the Fabergé egg which is mm-hmm. also a great scene you can never go wrong with a good auction scene and like <laughs> i always think of that great auction scene in north by northwest yeah. and octopus has a really good auction scene where where the show where it's less effective is uh louis jordan plays kamal khan who's mm-hmm. not a great bond villain because he's not particularly scary and then the backgammon backgammon scene is like right out of goldfinger Right. It's the same scene, but it's basically backgammon instead of uh, cards. And backgammon is not nearly not- as imposing <laughs> as cards. <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to play Old Maid. Everybody ready? <laughs> yeah, 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 right, exactly. Would you like to play a game of solitaire? And it's funny you mentioned <laughs> that opening sequence because it was a very tough shoot for people. People were miserable. They thought the movie was going to be a bomb. And they cut together that opening sequence. Um, to a, a, a stopwatch, and they played it for the cast and crew, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, this movie's great! We're working on something good. It's, it's all going to be okay." It was really intense and 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 terrific. That whole opening sequence, and then 
when they ended up, you know, to, you know, releasing the movie, they they cut it, they they put it to the Lana Hall song, which is so terrible, and huh. it takes out all the tension. The whole Kobayashi Maru test, where you know he's being tested. Never, never say never again. Never, never say never again. And, and so instead of the stopwatch, where there's all this intensity to it and suspense, it becomes this awful wannabe Bond song, which is just horrendous. Yeah, well, meanwhile, All Time High and Octopussy was a, uh, you know, it was on the Billboard charts. You know, it was a, a fairly successful song popularly. Distraction for an hour or two Had no intention to do The things we've done More importantly, John Barry was back yeah. after that awful Bill Conti score for Heroes Only. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous John Barry score for Octopussy. Yeah. 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 
But but uh, what about you, Ashley? You mentioned you you definitely think Octopussy wins because it had all the elements of yep. a classic Bond movie. Steve, was that kind of your feeling as well that Octopussy won the Battle of the Bonds for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, I you know I I saw it probably a couple times that summer. As did a lot of people. It was the number six film of 1983. It was pretty successful at the box office. Never Say Never Again did well, too. It was number 13 for the year. And, and I happened. To, I saw that one. Uh, my, my parents uh, drove the family down into, into the city to see a movie, and my mom and dad went to see the right stuff. And I, I had to see the new Bond movie, so I went to Never Say Never Again. Mom and dad made a great call. They did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched those movies. The reason I can talk about this with such facility is I must have seen them both, I don't know, 50 times over the, you wow. know, I mean, Good because, because um, at the time I worked at a video store and the guy who owned the video store for our best customers, he would like bootleg the most popular movies and make copies under the, so like if we trusted somebody, he would rent them the bootlegs, because like if there was a super popular movie and they were all gone, he liked to keep them happy. So in order for me to play ball, he would give me copies of the stuff that I really wanted. So I had a bootleg of Octopussy and Never Say Never Again. I remember <laughs> the little brown box with a little like printed label on both. And I had them, so I had them both at home and I would watch them all the time because I love my Bond movies. You do. Loved them. Couldn't get enough of, of of it, and so I had Octopussy and Never Say Never Again at, at home, and yeah, and then people would come in. It's like, oh, I want you know, I want the new Bond movie, and he's like, oh, just give him whichever one we have, and then <laughs> you know, <laughs> and if we and if, and if if we didn't have either, and it was somebody he trusted, well, we we might just have something for you here, and I'd re reach under the the thing and there would be octopus here never say never again with the little label on it i think i had i think the star wars raiders you know every once in a while oh, there would be that film that he would have the copies leo <laughs> leo's a, video been the fbi needs to come get him it's an all-time it's an uh, all-time hijacking <laughs> did he have a, a you know tv playing a movie in the background in the store or what kind of movies would he play uh, you know it's funny that? uh he didn't when hmm. in college, when I worked in Movie Land with Kenny Egan, um, they did have, and uh, they, they would have you know movies playing, and usually we would. That's the first thing you would decide if you opened up the store. It's like what movie am I going to put on uh, I today? Feel, in the store? I, I feel like I put on a lot of Bond films when I was a video store clerk because it's just kind of a, a they're popular. Everyone knows what it is. It's you know. And, and a lot of times people would see it and go like, oh, yeah, I want a James Bond movie because there's yeah. so many of them and you get, it's easy to, to rent. But I wanted something that if I got distracted with a customer and then the store emptied out and I would, you know, then it would just be me or one other person, that it was a movie that I knew backwards and forwards <laughs> that I yeah. didn't feel like I missed. So the Bond movies were great. Star Raiders always had Raiders on, had Superman on all the time. Yeah. You know, so the, these were the kind of movies that I would want on so that when I got distracted and I came back, you know, I I knew exactly what I had missed. So it was uh, for me. It wasn't for times. the customers. Now, this may be a question for Ashley more than anyone. Did you have, there was a James Bond role-playing game. I think yep. West End Games did it. And I, I still have my Octopussy module for that game. Tried. I had the Goldfinger one from Russia with Love. That's Octopussy. a Pet Shops Boy song, West End Games. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, I had all that. I mean, the the of course, you know, the the saddest thing though about that was that the uh the the top secret game was mm. actually 
much better design from yeah. TSR. So for my, I, I had the James Bond game, but I actually just adapted uh, James Bond adventures into uh, into Top Secret using oh my those. God. <laughs> I know I'm a nerd. Sue me. And also, you want to say Octopussy has a great one sheet. That image of of yeah. Lauren Adams with all the arms wrapping around Roger Moore. It's a great because image. Game is not Octa Arm, <laughs> right? <laughs> or Octa Mom. I, I, I thought that was a creepy, creepy one sheet, but I did have it in my dorm room freshman year anyway. Mm. That Octopussy <laughs> one sheet. Well, you get eight more. That's right. That's, 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 that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, this is my favorite Barbara Career quote from um, when I interviewed her for Nobody Does It Better, my book about the Bond movies. And it has nothing to do really with Bond, but she's talking about meeting Kevin McClory on a disaster movie she was doing for Irwin Allen called The Day the Earth Ended. And she says, it has some of the greatest living actors in it, but the film was atrocious. Burgess Meredith introduced me to Kevin McClory on that film. It had so many amazing stars, Paul Newman, Jacqueline Bissett, Burgess Meredith, William Holden, we all had these little villas to stay in when we were making it. But Paul and Jacqueline were the best cooks, so we would hang out after filming with them all night. There was a contest to come up with a new name for the movie, because at the time it was called The Day the Earth Ended. So William Holden liked to call it The Day Our Careers Ended. Oh my God. <laughs> but in fact, uh, we ended up calling it uh, um, When Time Ran Out. <laughs> I, can, I, can just, I can just hear that meeting. Barbara, I'd like you to meet Kevin McClory. <laughs> yeah, totally. Quack, quack, quack. <laughs> you know, it's sad because I love Irving Kirshner and you see what he did with Empire and it was exactly the wrong approach to Bond. Yeah. You know, it's it's like he, yeah. he was a big part of wanting to make it silly. You know, and, the, and they had a they had a really good cast though for for Never Say Never Again. You know, Klaus Maria Brandauer, Klaus Maria Brandauer, and then you know Kim Basinger wasn't that her her film debut? Her first, her first, yeah, first project? films. And Bernie and she Casey, was miserable. Uh, she she hates. She won't she talk luminous. about it. She, she was luminous. She was. Oh my god, verbal, <laughs> amazing. Um, and then you know, also it was Rowan, the Rowan video Ad game. A Rowan, Rowan Atkinson, Atkinson yeah. was in it. Uh, Pat Roach. Remember, War Games came out that year. It was the middle right. of the, the yeah. video game craze, Atari and everything. So it had, you know, the big square off between James Bond and Claus Maria Brandauer over right. destruction of the earth, I where they it. had to play a video game. Where it was like Risk, but it was like a Atari twenty six hundred version of Risk, and yeah, but it would give you a shock. Yes. Oh, was it? Was it there? God, hold up. Didn't they have to walk through like a video arcade? Wasn't there like a whole video arcade? There, there might have been. And, and oh, and our cre our creepy uh, it would never happen in a movie today moment where uh, uh, Bond pretends to be her masseuse. Her masseuse. Oh God! Yeah. So Kim Massinger goes for a massage, and at the time this was hysterical. Everybody loved it. It's like, oh, look at James Bond. He's pretending to be her masseur, and what he's a giving her massage. Boy he is. But he's just trying to get information. Yeah. But, <laughs> and like he leaves, and then the real masseur comes in, and it's like now people would be like, oh my God, that that's so pervy. Well, yeah. But did it work? That's the question. Apparently. It was for the good of England. That's yeah. right. He was keeping yeah. up the British end. Sonnery would British be end up. so canceled. Oh, my God. I know. Even when he died, there was so much nasty stuff that was said about him. And it was just so unfortunate because the, the, guy, is, the guy is one of the greats. He is one of the greats. Absolutely. So, anyway. But, uh, but yeah, it was a battle. 
Royale. And I think for most of us, the clear winner was Octopussy, but that's not a universal sentiment. It, Darren doesn't feel Royale. that way. A lot of no, no, I do feel that way. way. Oh, okay. I, 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 thought, I, I thought they were both middling, but I thought Octopussy wins. It was less. But it's, it's funny. If you look at like the, the Rotten Tomatoes or the Metacritic, like Never Say Never Again is the clear critical winner, which shot was shocking to me. It got much better reviews than Octopussy. It's because all of Klaus Maria Brandauer's friends went on there. And, and <laughs> I think people were just so excited to see Sean back. Of course. You know, and, and he at the time and, and still, you know, was considered the definitive James Bond. And uh and I think people don't look at it the way we look at it. You know, like they think if it's goofy, like Okay, it's okay. You know, they think that these movies should be goofy. So it's like Sean Connery and a goofy Bond, you know, whereas, because it's interesting just to see the evolution of the way people feel about Bond movies. Because mm-hmm. for a long time, you know, uh, critics and everyone else were completely disdainful of the two um, Timothy Dalton films. I know you never felt that you were a fan, but now they're considered like these great movies, which I, I personally don't get. But it, it's the same thing about, you know, View to a Kill, which is probably my least favorite James Bond movie, uh, for many people, it's in their top five. Right. Is the, because it was the first movie they saw with, yeah. you know, in the theater. And they're like, wow, oh, that's a special movie. And it's like, you got to be able to divest yourself from the nostalgia. It There's is no a special world movie. in which a View to a Kill is a good movie. No, <laughs> it, not it at is all. A not very special movie. The villain. Which how yeah. you, special how you, head. Up. you know, there's a shark in the bottom of the blimp. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah, Hugh to Kill had a great theme song and yep. it had some great like I love the the photography on the Golden Gate Bridge. There's some beautiful shots yeah. up there on that bridge. But other than that, it's it's not good. There's horses. I liked it better when Lex Luthor tried to destroy Silicon Valley and <laughs> have it fall into the sea than when uh, Max Zorin did. But that was just just me. But not even Luthor thought up the hurricane. <laughs> no, that's true. Indeed. But uh, but it was quite the battle of the bonds, and and uh, we'll never see anything like that again. That's for sure. And not look upon its like again. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, it's Pierce Brosnan versus Daniel Craig. You know, it's like yeah, whatever. Uh, never well, say never. You know, if uh, if Lucasfilm ever made Star Wars movies again, we could have had Rebel Moon versus an actual Star Wars movie. That's yeah, true. right. That's true. Wow. Because that's Zach, uh, Zach Snyder's uh, uh, taking an idea for a Star Wars movie and turning it into an original IP and wanting to be his own Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. I want my but own Star Wars. <laughs> Don't we all? The Battle <laughs> no. of the Treks. Well, you know, that's what you could have. You could have a bad robot movie versus a prime universe movie Star Trek at the, at the same time. Oh boy! Are there any I don't winners? want to see either of those. No, <laughs> no winners. No one wins, scenario. especially the audience. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't even know what you could compare this to. I mean, I just remember it's like, you know, you see the trailer and you get really excited, and you read the articles in Starlog and um, and just be like, wow! I mean, this is so crazy that there's going to be you know two Bond movies coming out at the same time. Well, and no, yeah, for a franchise that we were excited about, that was a real thrill. No movie series had such uh, sustainability 
and uh, and length of interest as James Bond. And it, yeah. the fact that it had so much interest that an offshoot project could be funded and made is incredible. And it, it would it's never happen perfect. anywhere else. Yeah, and this was before that you know franchises dominated the industry. There were very few things like Bond. There, you know, yeah. and even when there were like Planet of the Apes, that would peter out after a couple of movies. Yep. There weren't these ongoing series that just went on and on and on like we have today, where there's multiple franchises. Um, so at the time, it was just extraordinary that this was happening. And Planet of the Apes didn't peter out; it Caesared out. <laughs> yeah yeah it did well i'm so glad that we have deck 78 so that we can come here and hoist a glass of tranya or whatever we're drinking to uh talk about these these great moments in movie and television and pop culture such as the battle of the bonds circa 1983 it was 40 years ago today indeed um and uh, always good to see you gentlemen and Welcome to all our new 430 Movie subscribers who have joined the secret Deck 78 hidden here oh, well in the come. bowels of the Enterprise. Come into the light. <laughs> and uh, as always, you can follow us in Glorious Trek and the 430 Movie on a variety of social channels. I'm not going to list them all because it's getting insane. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and of course, uh, you know, on Facebook as, as well. And the 430 movie will be back this fall with all new episodes. We're excited about that. Bringing you our seventh season. That our can't seventh. be. Yep. Wow. It's our seventh I, season. I, I, I think uh, I, it's crazy. So 13 all new uh, uh, theme weeks on the 430 movie coming to you this fall. We're excited about that. And of course, Inglorious Trexperts counting down to the end of season five. When we'll be making a big announcement at the top of uh, uh, the the show in September, as we debut our sixth season of Glorious Trexperts. So there's a lot going on on the podcast. It's a good thing we're on strike because we have no time for any of this shit. That's right. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll join us. Uh, uh, for another episode of Deck 78 uh, in two weeks. Meanwhile, join us every week on Inglorious Trek or this fall on the 430 movie. But until then, on behalf of Stephen Melching, Ashley Edward Miller, Darren Doctorman, and myself, Mark A. Altman, fire the rockets. Or if you like, never say never again, fire the rockets! <laughs> <laughs>